1: I'm Brian Hyatt, and this is Rolling Stone Music Now. Uh, We have with me uh, Andy Green from Rolling Stone. Sup, Andy? Hi, hi there, Brian. How you doing? And Brittany Spanos. Hey, Brian. So, I hope everyone's had a good week. We've had kind of a crazy week. Uh, This week, um, my story came out. It's on the cover of the new issue of Rolling Stone that's just out now. Uh, Paris Jackson's first in-depth interview That is Paris Jackson, the daughter of Michael Jackson And we kind of thought this would be a big deal I have to say it <laughs> turned into like an even bigger deal than maybe we expected it, It's been everywhere They did a segment on The View about it um, They did a segment, uh, Wendy, Wendy Williams went uh, really hard on it Gave Paris kind of a hard time uh, the tabloids went a little nuts. Uh, the paparazzi unfortunately harassed Paris at the airport, which was really horrible to watch and makes me really angry. So it's been a little nuts. Uh, I, it's unusual to have a story blow up like this, and it's it's an emotional roller coaster for me, and I'm sure for Paris. And uh, but I, you know, I thought we'd start by. I, I thought I'd read a little bit of the story and maybe do a little director's commentary, and then we'll talk about it. And then maybe we'll talk about um, Michael Jackson's history with the magazine as well. So here's a little bit of uh, our new cover story. Paris Michael Catherine Jackson is staring at a famous corpse. That's Marilyn Monroe, she whispers, facing a wall covered with gruesome autopsy photos. And that's JFK. You can't even find these online. On a Thursday afternoon in late November, Paris is making her way through the Museum of Death, a cramped maze of formaldehyde-scented horrors on Hollywood Boulevard. It's not uncommon for visitors, confronted with decapitation photos, snuff films, and serial killer memorabilia, to faint, vomit, or both. But Paris, not far removed from the emo and goth phases of her earlier teens, seems to find it all somehow soothing. This is her ninth visit. It's awesome, she had said on the way over. They have a real electric chair and a real head. Paris Jackson turned 18 last April and moment by moment can come across as much older and much younger, having lived a life that's feared between sheltered and agonizingly exposed. She's a pure child of the 21st century with her mashed up hippie punk fashion sense, today she's wearing a tie-dye button-down jeggings and converse high tops, and boundary-free musical taste. She's decorated her sneakers with lyrics by Motley Crue and Arctic Monkeys. is obsessed with Alice Cooper, she calls him Bay, and the singer-songwriter Butch Walker loves Nirvana and Justin Bieber too. But she's even more so her father's child. Basically as a person, she is who my dad is, says her older brother, Prince Michael Jackson. The only thing that's different would be her age and her gender. Paris is similar to Michael, he adds, in all of her strengths and almost all of her weaknesses as well. She's very passionate. She's very emotional to the point where she can let emotion cloud her judgment. So, you know, we um, <laughs> we we started off the first place Paris wanted to go which i think really freaked out her manager was this uh, museum of death which is like honestly basically the worst place i've ever been in my entire life um like seriously it is a nightmare i, I couldn't look at anything she was totally chill with it uh, you know and but i mean and so to be fair so we're like there's a certain like breed of like hipster and like really young person who who's like into like faces of death type Screwed up, screwed up shit and just finds it amusing I, I was just like deeply traumatized and couldn't look at anything I mean I won't even say what was there it was so horrible um, but I'm, I'm like I'm still like maybe a little bit mad that I had to go to that place it sucks so hard but the Museum of Death was super psyched they they, they uh, posted the story on their Facebook page and they're like Paris see you again soon so whatever <laughs> I guess they liked it I called it a formaldehyde scented like hall of horrors um, I'll, just, I'll just read a little bit more um, so nine of Harris's tattoos are devoted to Michael Jackson who died when she was 11 years old, sending her, Prince, and their youngest brother blankets sprawling out of what had been as they perceived it a cloistered, near idyllic little world. They always say time heals, she says, but it really doesn't. It You just get used to it. I live life with the mentality of, okay, I lost the only thing that has ever been important to me. So going forward, anything bad that happens can't be nearly as bad as what happened before, so I can handle it. Michael still visits her in her dreams, she says. I feel him with me all the time. So one of the, you know, I never got to interview Michael Jackson. I never met him. Um, I, I, you know, I've, I, I did interview Prince. Uh, you know, I've interviewed Madonna. I've interviewed Bruce Springsteen. So I, I was sort of got three out of the four out of the 80s, you know, quad or whatever. But, um, you know, I and the, part of this was, you know, I grew up on Michael Jackson. Like, he was the first musician um, I, I, I ever cared about and I, I watched the Making of Thriller video a billion times I had a little Thriller jacket uh, a little beaded jacket actually and uh, so it, it, part of the weird thing about this was getting kind of close to the essence of of Michael uh, while of course you know Paris is her own person and, and I was able to hopefully bring her to life as a, as you know her, as her own person but I mean you know it, I, I like Played with Michael's dog, you know, uh, who was a really, really sweet dog. I kind of wanted to take him home, and it was like Michael Jackson's dog was sitting in my lap, and it was really wild. And sitting in the studio was really wild, and it kind of reconnected to me to a place of sort of Michael Jackson fandom, and it also really changed the way I see Michael. I you know, and I, and I think people reading it have said the Michael that Paris and her brothers know is so different than the michael that we think we know she even said and you do hear this that he did not talk in that high voice you know in private lisa maria said this too he, he talked in in sort of a much lower voice um and he also seemed sort of sane and grounded and a really good dad and you know she emphasized in in their opinion like completely innocent of the charges against him. And you have to sort of take it into account, their view, their sense. And you also have to take in account that Paris is a great kid, you know? I mean, you know, uh, uh, an oppressive young adult who, who's made it through a lot. And, you know, in general, you judge people by, and one of the ways you can judge people is how their kids turn out. And I have to say, you know, the kids turned out pretty well. So you have to take all that into account. Uh, you know, what, what, did, what, what have you guys kind of, Taken away from all this, and 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 from you know from the reaction to it, and what, what what's interested you?
0: She comes off a lot older than she is. I mean, obviously, it's she's lived a lot of lot more life than people kind of have to deal with or have to go through than at such a young age. But she comes off a lot older than I know her to be, and it's weird because it, it feels like there's this huge gap of her life that we didn't see publicly. Like the last time we saw her, really was when she spoke at her father's funeral and then she sort of re-entered public consciousness in the last year or so because she's kind of launching her own life now and her own, you know, adulthood. And so it's fascinating to kind of know her as only a child but then kind of see her re-enter and hear her story through your through your story. And so, yeah.
2: Yeah. well, uh, Yeah, and she seemed remarkably sane. I mean, if you think of what she's gone through with, her father's loss and being raised by her other family, I mean, and being in the public eye. And the last thing I really heard about her was her troubles about four years ago, which, yeah. were, pretty, which were really intense. And you, you Which she goes into, yeah. Yeah. So, to see her as someone that's 18, still a kid in a lot of ways, she seemed very poised and very mature, which was surprising, because I just didn't know much about her. And I think the story has gotten such a huge reaction, because... People saw the pictures of her. They know old stories, but who this person is now is a huge mystery to most everybody until this article, really. Yeah. So this this started. I mean, her her people did come to
1: us, and they said, you know, what if listen, Paris has turned eighteen, she's sort of coming out as a public figure. It's funny. I, I talked to um, I, I talked to John Oliver for another upcoming story, and he was asking me what um what I was working on, and I explained that this Paris Jackson thing was coming out. And he's like, yeah, but well, what she's doing? I said, well, you know, she's sort of coming out as a public figure. And he's like, yeah, but what does that mean? And I was like, well, you know, so what it, what it means is, listen, you're born into fame. Paris Jackson is born into fame in a way that's, it's actually sort of hard to get your head around. Because it's not just like, I've talked to a lot of celebrity kids, both for work and not for work, just because of the environment we end up into. And it's one thing to be a celebrity kid in a way she's the celebrity kid. He was, you know, in some ways the most famous man on earth. You know, I mean, he, he, they know him on every corner of the planet. It's, it's incalculable the, the extent to which he's famous. And, you know, famous and, and you know, in some ways infamous. So it's, it seemed like it made sense on some level if she had a story to tell. to to put her on the cover and and, and she was and embracing her fame meant that she's you know so she she happens to be beautiful she happens to be great at being a model which isn't just about being beautiful but it's about focus and intent and all sorts of other things which seem to come supernaturally to her and uh, both supernaturally as in it seems supernatural and also it's very natural to her and I think some of that is maybe being the focus of attention since she was a little kid Uh, you know watching her dad be the focus of attention and she, And I, I think she's a natural-born celebrity if she wants to be and it seems like she wants to be so they came to us and we weren't sure um, It seemed like it was worth a try and then what we couldn't anticipate like you said like You guys said is that she happens to be a fascinating person in her own right and again, yeah, incredibly poised when she wants to be. And also, like I said, sometimes seems much
2: younger. Yeah, so then tell me your first reaction to the assignment. Did it surprise you? Is this someone that you knew much about? Did you worry it would be challenging because she's a teenager? I mean, it's, it's a real different kind of profile for you. I wanted to do it. When I heard that it was a
1: possibility, I, I helped, you know, and then we should give a shout out to uh, Christian Horde who edited this, our, our, music, our music editor, and, and he, he was a big supporter of it. Um, but I, I said, Hey, I'd really like to do this. And my sense was because I thought it was a chance worth taking. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like it's anytime you can get entry into a world that is closed off, which is basically like, you know, to go into the Jackson family compound in Encino and see, all the stuff there, which we can talk about, which is, I thought that that I was the first. I, I thought I was going to be the first person in the world to ever describe what's there, which is in, includes this, uh, you know, this artwork that Michael commissioned, where, where he's always like a cartoon. In one case, he's being embraced by a small child, and in another case, he's like he's holding a book with the words "The Secret of Life" on it, and then below are a bunch of flowers, and within each flower, within each bloom, is a little like red-cheeked little girl. So just like really Michael-y stuff. So I, I was like, maybe no one has ever described this before. So then I, as I was writing, I Googled it. it. turned out one person has ever put this in print before, which is Jermaine in his book yeah. uh, four years ago, uh, descri- or, or his ghostwriter, described it as well, although he got some details wrong. <laughs> I can confirm he got a, He didn't quite get it right. But it is nonetheless, it is a closed world. But I also say you can go on YouTube and uh, Jermaine... Jermaine also just let some dude in there some friend of his and the dude like shot some vertical iPhone video of some of these things that I describe and also this museum that I saw which is really wild there's a museum on the top floor above the garage that Michael made for his family and mostly for his mom I think to surprise her and basically he got uh, he made these he, he got pictures covering every inch of the floor and ceiling of you know it's funny a lot of it's of the family it's like their grandparents um their parents early early jackson five stuff and then frankly a lot of it is just michael with a lot of famous people like it's a crazy snapshot of of, of the 80s with michael of like every single famous person of 1980 from 1984 from like freddie mercury to uh, just pictures I never seen, but like, there's a picture of him and Springsteen that I've like never seen before. There, there's a picture of him and Pete Townsend. There's a picture of him and like Francis Ford Coppola. I could like, I you know, probably it, Sylvester Stallone. I it, I'm pretty sure. Is yeah. the
2: Bruce picture out of the We Are the World sessions or?
1: N- no, it does not appear. It appears oh. to be at a Grammys or something. Okay, that makes sense. Because there's an, there's there is a back there's a famous backstage shot of them, mm-hmm. like because Bruce went to see. I presume it was Bruce went to see Michael and they they're backstage and but it looks like it's from that but like an angle you never saw before. Okay. <laughs> so it's like a lot of these seem to be from his private collection. It was fascinating um, and then there's little things like I said in the story, like in her in the kitchen. So she lives in the studio where Michael demoed "Beat It." She uh, Paris is under the impression that's where Michael recorded "Beat It." I checked with Steve Knopper, who wrote a book about Michael Jackson and some other sources. It doesn't appear to be the case. It appears like he made the demo, which is amazing. You can hear it on the This Is It album. It's him basically doing an acapella version of Beat It. And we were discussing this earlier. This is how he wrote songs. He sang everything. He sang all the backup parts, and then he would actually beatbox the drums and sometimes sing guitar parts and bass parts. So it was like he had an a group in his head. It's just extraordinary. But anyway, so that's that's where she's living. It's like a little apartment because the main house is under renovation. And there, like, on the kitchen on the counter is a platinum record of, I think, Thriller inscribed um, to Smelly from Quincy. And that, that Quincy Jones' nickname for Michael was Smelly, as in funky. Um, and I was just like, oh, look at that. And I mean, basically, this is something that could be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame on major display. And it's just, like, sitting on the counter. She's like, oh, I found it in the attic. You know, so it's... it's it's... It's this weird, it's this weird thing of like the casual wearing of this insane legacy.
2: So just tell me about how you first met her, about your first encounter and how you established a rapport with her, just how that all go down. Well, that's always
1: complicated. I mean, I I basically just showed up. Her her manager, who's a great guy named named Hamilton, um, was there. Her boyfriend, Michael Snoddy, was there, and we just started walking around. And she gave me a tour. Some of this is is not in the story. There's like a pond in the back of the Jackson Estate. Well, first of all, you drive up. That there's a gate. Um, you the gate opens. There's serious security there. They tried to make me sign an NDA, and I was like, "Well, I'm I'm actually here to like to write like disclose everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm here to that that happens a lot. And I'm like, I, I I need to sign a, a, a okay. D because I'm yeah. going to disclose everything. So <laughs> so they were like, okay, fine. And, and but I think that's also why no one ever described what's there mm-hmm. is because you're supposed to sign an NDA. Um, But you know, I saw this pond in the back. She has a there's a bunch of fish there. She describes uh, one of the fish is named Prince. It's always confusing, but the it's a purple fish, so it's named after like Prince Prince, not the uh, she. She loves Prince, which is interesting because you know Michael had a famously fraught relationship with Prince. It's also Mm -hmm. very confusing because like there's Prince, the artist, and then there's her brother Prince, who is by the way named after their grandfather
2: Prince. So uh, that that always confused me. And the youngest is technically also. Prince yeah. right isn't he Prince the third or second or is that wrong
1: he yes that's right he's Prince Michael the second uh-huh. that's why they call him blanket and actually yeah. he now goes by BG but I didn't put BG in the story because it's just confusing but BG right. is like his nickname in high school the kids in high school anyway so we're just gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back So we're talking about our uh, the new cover story of Rolling Stone with Paris Jackson, which has been a big deal, and uh, also about Michael Jackson and his history with Rolling Stone. I mean, I, I think it's worth talking about Paris's place on the cover of Rolling Stone because mm-hmm. Wendy Williams, who I did yeah. not know cared so deeply about yeah. <laughs> Rolling Stone, <or laughs> Wendy Williams, who I guess wants to be the magic editor of Rolling Stone because she has... A, uh, in a way, it's weird when people complain that you know something isn't worthy of Rolling Stone in a way it's flattering right because they have an idea of what what we are and they care yeah like I I who the hell knew that Wendy Williams cared so much about the integrity of Rolling Stone? She was basically like, she was like, this is a legendary magazine. It is the greatest magazine. You have to be, you have yeah. to earn the cover. I was like, thanks, Wendy. Yeah. On, on the other hand,
2: so, yeah. Well, I'm just saying that there's a Dr. Hook song about it on the cover of the Rolling Stone. <laughs> it's become sort of, there's not a lot of stuff for, about other magazines. Like, there's no on the cover of Vanity Fair song. I mean, it's for some <laughs> reason it's become this thing.
1: It's I, I think that people have an idea and it is not always wrong but people have an idea that the cover in fact it's it's often right for m- in many cases sort of quote unquote winning the cover of rolling stone is sort of a prize you get when you hit a certain level in your career Yes. Um, and that remains true, you know. Th- that is an anointment. I mean, for example, Ariana Grande has not gotten one yet, um, you know. But Snooki has. Yes. we'll see, <laughs> but
0: that different. Was
2: like different exactly. D- different, a cultural
0: different. moment. Too. Different.
1: Yes. yes. We did not. I, do I think we should put Snooki on the cover? That's a whole other story. <laughs> but but it was not. That was marking as as you say a cultural moment. It was not saying that Snooki earned it through her artistic merit. There's there's different ways of. It, there's different paths of being on the cover, and and you know the Hulk was on the cover in 1971. He was on the cover uh, again a couple years ago as a freaking comic book or or, or CGI image. Uh, you know the Hulk has never put out a song. It's it's not always music. It's not always about achievement. It, it, it's a lot of things. But it, when when you know if if. Van, like you say, Vanity Fair or GQ put someone on the, on the cover, there's not this sense of like, oh, they didn't earn it. It's such a, where's the honor? It's like, well, no, sometimes we're a journalistic organization. Sometimes it's because it's a big story. And and with Paris, it's, it's, college. so basically, Wendy Williams, to give some background, uh, talk show us, Wendy Williams, basically had a lot to say. We'll get to some of the other stuff she said. <laughs> but one of the things she said is that Paris, Hasn't earned the cover of Rolling Stone. She doesn't deserve it because she hasn't, you know,
2: achieved enough on her own. She's not a little Lebowski yeah. achiever sufficiently. But the attention the story has gotten has disp- has disproven her. The fact there's so much interest in this shows it was worthy of the cover. Well, what, what Wendy? This is again is so funny.
1: Like Wendy seriously wants to be like our editor. Wendy had a whole plan. Wendy said, "I don't know if you guys heard this part." No. Mm-hmm. Wendy's like, "What they should have done is waited till the next anniversary of Michael's death, put Michael on the cover, and run this." article it's like thanks but so base but listen it's it's a complicated calculus what you know Paris happens to be an amazing model you know who, who takes an amazing picture and David LaChapelle who's one of the greatest photographers of all time was very excited about shooting Paris so what happens is the cover itself is sort of a work of art and so it just Like, we'd have to be crazy not to do this. And as you were
2: saying, it was access to a world that you wouldn't see before, I think, in the 70s, when they put Gerald Ford's son on the cover of the magazine, which is when he was still president. (laughs) To do a Jack Ford cover seemed insane, but it was an opportunity to profile a person whose dad is president, who lives in the White House, and that's an interesting story. Yeah, and And also,
0: Paris is going to be the one carrying... I mean. It seems like she's probably going to be the most public. Of she's her the siblings. star of
1: the of the kids, and yeah. I feel like
0: she's the one that's going to be carrying this legacy on for Michael. I mean, he's still, even though he's passed on, like he's still the most famous man in the world. Like people's, like Michael's music is still everywhere. He's still the most cited influence in pop music today. Paris is, she's the next generation of that, and she's the daughter of the most famous man of all time, probably, and so.
1: Yeah, it's 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 in some way, in some ways it's very unique. In some ways, it's a no-brainer. She was actually asking, you know, it's funny. She was asking who was the youngest person. She and her manager were asking who was the youngest person to ever appear on the cover of Rolling Stone because she's only eighteen, yeah. and we're like Michael Jackson because <laughs> he,
0: he yeah. was he was on when wow. he when
1: he was you know he was like eight or nine mm. or ten or something. Yeah, w- w- in the story by Ben Fong Torres when when he was uh, with Ben when he was in the Jackson Five. So. You know, <laughs> wow. That's that's the that we had a good answer for that one, Brittany. Do you want to talk for a second about what the other thing that 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 Wendy had to say about the?
0: Yeah, Wendy had this whole thing about how Paris shouldn't claim that she's black. Um And you would actually, I hadn't heard this interview that the Breakfast Club did, or yeah. where they had discussed it, and they had brought up a similar point that Wendy said, which was, "What color does do the police see?" And <laughs> as a biracial person, that's very offensive because you're, you know race is not dependent upon the the tone of your skin and um i mean there have been questions about the paternity and paris does disagree with that and believes michael's her father um and she answered that question very eloquently when you had posed those concerns and media gossip and everything um and i don't think that should be taken away from her and i don't think that being counting yourself as biracial or black depends on the tone of your skin because there are a lot of people like halsey for example she is also of mixed race her father is black and she is very light-skinned and it doesn't a lot of biracial people come out very different colors and tones of brown and also white and yeah darker
1: Absolutely. And, and actually, for the most part, <laughs> Wendy and, and The Breakfast Club aside, actually, the, the reaction to that part of the article has been, I think, a lot more respectful mm-hmm. than it might have been a few years ago before people became a little bit more aware. Yeah. Um, I think people would have, you know, and I, and I was worried about <laughs> that reception to that part of the article. But I mean, so basically, you know, as you said, I addressed with Paris the issue of, of her paternity because people sort of look at her and have doubts, you know? And and she could have, as I wrote in the article, she could have been like, very legitimately been like, And her brother kind of said this too, like, "What does it matter? Like, he was my father. You know, either way, the person who raised you as as your father is your father. It doesn't. The Mm -hmm. biology of it is irrelevant." And and by the way, she and her siblings are named in his will, so someone could come out with genetic evidence that they're not his biological kids. It would not matter one iota. They still have their three hundred fifty million dollars. So it it's not like you know. Interestingly, though, I, I will say as a side note in their lawsuit against AG, the wrongful death lawsuit, which they lost, AG threatened to introduce evidence, DNA evidence that they weren't his kids biologically. Mm-hmm. And in that case, that would have affected their standing in that lawsuit, because if they weren't his biological kids, they wouldn't have had standing to sue, so that would be relevant. But mm-hmm. there's it is no one on earth, let's say someone in the Jackson family wanted to arrest their inheritance from them, impossible, they are named in the will. So, yeah. and, and so, so it's not like she, so, so in other words, That makes this all the more whatever touching or or just an emotional issue. She's not insisting upon this because she like, you know, loses her inheritance or anything like that. She's insisting on this because she believes it Mm -hmm. and because Michael told her. And and she basically said for the one time in her life she was going to address this uh, in in our interview, which is, you know, intense. And, And she basically said, you know, she she knows that Michael's her father because he told her so. And that he he told her you're black be proud of your heritage so that's why of course she says she's black because Michael Jackson's her father mm. um, but yeah for the most part people were respectful Wendy perhaps <laughs> not so much but um, it, it's I, I, I but for the most part actually I saw a lot of people being really supportive of her and yeah. I think that is because of increased awareness you know
0: yeah yeah I think like you said like a few years ago people would have <laughs> said some like really weird and offensive stuff about yeah, it's
1: it's actually a case where where you know people's uh and, and where the increased enlightenment actually seems to show and and it, you know good job people of Earth for the most part, um so and then you know the other controversy which which I was asked about on another uh show here on Volume was, is you know Paris thinks her, her dad was um some you know there was a conspiracy in his death um which is. To me, uh, this is what I'll say. I think what's most important really is that what this says about her mindset and where she's coming from. Um, Imagine being an 18-year-old woman and walking around and having that in your head, believing that your father was murdered because your father told you. They're going to murder me. I mean, of course you would think that. Mm-hmm. If your father said, they're going to kill me and then he dies, of course you would think that. And, and you know, as I say in the piece, he did tell Lisa Marie Presley that, too. This is for real. He did tell people this.
2: I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think of Sean Lennon when he was 20. He told the press that his father would, that he was murdered by, by some conspiracy by the government or something. You know, it's not uncommon. Sort of want to think there's something more than just random ca- Chaos that caused a huge tragedy you that, want to that's a very fair
1: it. point and and we'll listen again With John Lennon if you grew up as John Lennon's kid, and I was just talking about this from John Oliver uh, You know there was Herbert uh, Hoover hated uh, J Edgar, not Herbert. J. Edgar. <laughs> Herbert Hoover would have hated him. We would have. Yeah. I do not get this music. Said Herbert yeah. Hoover, yeah. due to the fact that I am from a very long time ago. <laughs> but but, but, but J. he was still <laughs> alive at the right, when did, okay, Sorry. sorry. Herbert Hoover Her, Her was like, I, I, I hate this. Um, but J Edgar, J. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. Anyway, yeah. J., J Edgar Hoover really didn't like Lenin, and they literally. There was a conspiracy to try to expel him from the country, so but not to murder him. <laughs> well, but I'm saying, if you were his yeah. kid, there, yeah, sure. from your perspective, there would be evidence that the government was in fact conspiring conspiring against John Lennon. So, yes. uh, you know, I don't know. Everyone, it's all everyone's a conspiracy. I don't know, or everyone is not. A conspiracy. Who the hell knows? The truth is, uh, here's the thing about Michael Jackson: is he did own an asset that artists. Sort of like aren't supposed to own in the music industry. He managed to. He had, you know, this this Sony Music catalog that they just sold for, for half a billion dollars, for seven hundred fifty million dollars. Excuse me. Uh, Right. So this was, and he used to own. He used to own, by the way, all of it. Uh, and and then he he had to sell half of it when he got into into financial trouble.
2: Well, and he's a rare. He's a rare person who is worth a lot more dead than he was alive. So you could see why someone would also think that mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so I mean, you know who's to say um, But yeah, you know, yeah, I, I might I won't get into what I think personally, but you, you, your, your point holds Andy um, but it's 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 a it's a unique thing and uh, you know to, to be Paris Jackson to, that, that's what's interesting is is how do you see the world when you're in this position. And and one of the things is is I think just diving into pop culture and the fact that she that she's such a hard rock fan and a metal fan and, and that and the, and then I expected when I asked her how that sort of happened, I don't know if I expected the answer which is that her dad, you know, it's it's Van Halen and Slash it all came through her her dad, you know, mm-hmm. which is interesting. But um, I think one of one of the most uh, one of the most amazing moments was just walk was just walking with her along along the road. We were walking towards um towards a sushi restaurant in the dark because she she didn't have her driver's lessons as of November. She has apparently since November gotten her driver's lessons. Great good for you Paris. But we were we were walking and she was talking about, you know, like how much she loves Disneyland and I said, Well, you know, you, you did grow up in Neverland. Isn't that the same mm-hmm. thing? And and she basically was like, Well, not exactly because we weren't actually allowed to go on On the rides, except when we on weekends. So the way I I got a sense of it was, Neverland was like the town they lived in, and they mostly just you know were in their house, and then on the weekends they got to go to the cool parts of the town. So I guess that's an example of how Michael made what seems like a completely bizarre existence seem somewhat normal i don't know Andrew, you're gonna ask something
2: yeah i think just the central issue that hangs over michael's life and will always linger there and what she must be forced to deal with at times is this issue of is he a monster that molested children or is he an is he somebody that ever touched a kid that was unfairly charged with it and had his life ruined because of it and it's sort of this thing that's always hanging just over everything is did he do it
1: yeah, it's sort of like Schrodinger's allegation, or like yeah, no, because it's because as we were saying during the break, it, it is, you know, if if Michael Jackson was falsely accused, he is one of the most
2: unfairly vilified people who ever lived. And the world destroyed yeah, him it's for no like reason. This, if he never touched a kid, it's like this angel that came down and gave us music and all these wonderful things and tried to help children. And we crucified him to the point where he basically died because of it. Mm-hmm. Of, But if he did do it, if he's a child molester, a serial one, then he's a monster. So trying to get to the center of that question is very difficult. Mm-hmm. Well, let me say this. And I, I say this in the article.
1: I mean, talking... To Prince and talking to Paris, they are so deeply convinced of his innocence that you know, if they could go door to door and talk to each person in America, I think everyone in America would be convinced of his innocence because their their experience is is so yeah is so particular. I, I you just know? think
2: the problem is that he made himself look so guilty. By making a amusement park at his home to get children there, uh, by admitting to sleeping with children in the same bed,
0: mm-hmm.
2: he—if he didn't do it, which I think there's very good odds that he didn't do it—after the first after the first wave of allegations to always be around young children was not very smart PR wise.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, he—it's he, possible he was just, you know, deeply naive. Hey, listen, we have uh, Jay on the phone from Nevada with some thoughts on Paris Jackson. Let's hear from... Hey, Jay.
3: Hey, how you doing? Good morning.
1: Good morning. What's up?
3: Yeah. Well, I'd just like to uh, open up the... Uh, I know you asked to see whether people would be... At the feelings on her being uh, on the front cover. I think absolutely the story was a, a, a tremendous story. The it, oh, It's you. always great when you have an interview which opens up so many points of discussion. And uh, fair play to you because if you can't access to her, and to get her talking about those subjects is, is, is amazing. Um, my my feeling is is that I think that she absolutely should have been... It, it's a cover story, no two ways about it. But I think maybe somewhere in there, there should have been a mirror with her looking in the mirror at Michael and Michael looking back. I don't know whether that would be a good case, but uh, essentially to give a notion of, of why she would... Be a great cover star. Um, I mean, <laughs> the, the, the subjects—the subjects that you came out with were, and, and the matters that discussed are amazing. And, and again, this notion of her being convinced that her dad was, in, in, in some way, you know, murdered has—I think—I think will be looked at again. And I mean, the Jacksons tried once in court to raise this with with the concert promoters and got nowhere. But I, I can see that you may have opened up again. Perhaps a, a, a new sequel bid or, or something else okay. to uh, to to open that uh, that case up. What do you think?
1: We'll see. I, you know, I, I don't. You know, it's not like she. <laughs> it's not like she brought out new evidence. But you know, I, again, I think it's more about what she believes and what the family believes. Uh, Jay, thanks so much for calling in, man. Have a great day. Thank you so much. All right, bye bye. So we were talking about you know the the extraordinarily fraught issue. Of Michael's guilt or innocence. I mean, listen. You know, every one of the accusers, and this is sort of what various biographers, including our friend Steve Knopper, have concluded. It's tough because every one of the accusers asked for a lot of money, or you know, had some other kind of compromising situation. In the case of the of um, the 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 first accuser, who Michael settled with. Made accusations while under a powerful uh, mind-altering drug administered by his father, who then subsequently committed suicide. Uh, so we have like the messiest mm-hmm. situation. And listen, I, I am prepared, you know, more than ever to contemplate the possibility of a completely innocent Michael Jackson who was horribly persecuted. And listen, as you said, made some errors in judgment as far as opening himself up to uh to these charges and and you know he he
2: he, it's a tough thing yeah and the martin bashir thing was such a fiasco too for him
1: the bashir thing was tough and i think you know michael it's an acknowledged thing that michael had a problem with with painkillers and his problem with painkillers began as do many such problems with pain i mean he had and you know i'll say again one of the things about you know talking to someone's kids is you you see their full humanity in a different way and so, I was contemplating the various things that you know people kind of laughed about and made jokes about one of them is you know that his hair caught on fire while filming a Pepsi commercial like at the time that was like a source of unfortunately much amusement in for like eighties kids mm-hmm. but when you really when you read about it and then contemplate it, the dude's scalp was burnt uh he lost he, he had permanent damage There, permanent nerve damage he was in terrible pain for years because of that he had to that was part of why you know it, it, it was disfiguring and painful then he had some uh you know he had he had a, a bad stage accident that was really painful so and he also was not you know apparently the most stoic person on earth when it came to pain which isn't i guess super shocking so well, his pain pro- his pain med- medication problem did start from real pain and it is by most accounts he was off those meds for much of the 2000s after the Bashir documentary. so someone like Paris fortunately her experience, her sort of prime experience of him from her ages of like six or seven to age eleven when he died he was not on he didn't have a drug habit for the most part. so she knew him clean and sober and healthy so that could explain you know why her impression of her of him is is so kind of pure and strong. So, I don't know. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think um, kind of going back to the idea of his naivety, we don't really discuss the severe trauma that he had to deal with as a child. I mean, the way that he was worked and the way that he, um, the way his father treated him and his siblings. I mean, I think that he suffered from a lot of abuse and then kind of losing his childhood to sort of just the cycle of having to perform all the time, being this huge celebrity. the way that it's treated now is much different. I think there's a lot more um, sympathy towards kids who are super famous young because we've seen the way that, that has played out for a lot of famous actors and musicians over decades now of the trauma that they deal with from being famous so young and the way they're in public eye but on top of that also the very clear way that Joe Jackson was a terrible father and a very abusive, physically abusive and emotionally abusive man. Um,
1: By, by Michael's account. Yeah, yeah by yeah. Michael's
0: account, by a sibling's account. Um, Ger-
1: well, I mean, it's weird. Like Jermaine, Jermaine's <laughs> book is one of those things where it like basically confirms every one of those facts and yet spins it in a different way. It's really mm-hmm. interesting. I recommend Jermaine's book, by the way. Yeah. It's actually quite good and quite interesting, although I don't know how superbly accurate in its interpretation of things like that. One of the things that, that Paris had to say about Michael, and it didn't all make the story, um was you know was she under that she you know certainly was not denying that michael had some plastic surgery you know um but she points out quite rightly that he was under scrutiny for his appearance from uh, from a very young age um and and my you know one of the things you learn from from jermaine's book and from a, you, that my, michael was such a cute little kid and then when he went through his adolescence in public which is you know we we've seen that that's always agonizing and you know he had bad skin and his his he got what his family said was like a big nose and they started calling him big nose like his brothers and even his dad and it like traumatized him and that's why he started screwing with his nose i mean that's just a fact
2: yeah i mean he would tell stories that he got in public and people that they'd be like wait is that Michael? He's so big. I mean, he always had. To right, be seen he used as a to kid. be cute, like yeah. all that. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, and I mean, his. A lot of his siblings have also. I think all of them have gotten similar nose drops To, I th- like. I would like to say. I'm not sure, but I think that comes with the idea of, kind of like, whitewashing black features, and no one has really reached the. The heights that the Jackson family have reached especially Michael. Um, so I yeah, think that kind back of then, yeah Yeah, so I think that also those types of reactions weighed in on that and that type of Idea of what it looks like to be a star also weighed well, he, heavily.
1: You know Jay-z in his book said something really interesting about that which is That there was a sense that to be sort of um, a black star that you had to have s- you, that, yeah the, the, the that you had to have like sort of whitewashed features and mm-hmm. you, had to, you had to know be light you, skin Yeah, li- li- light skin and and and, ma- and maybe mess with your nose and may- maybe you know mess with your hair or whatever and and, and he w- was very proud of the fact that he didn't do any of that and then he helped show and i you know and it's really interesting but yeah there was this sense right it's it's like so it, there's a it, it's a pretty fraught thing but then the the other thing is you know and Paris pointed this out he had Vitiligo—that is a fact. In other words, uh, something that, that messed with, uh, you know, the the, the pigment of his skin. It was, it was, it's a disorder, um, and people kind of. One of the things that I, I think confused people, and I went back and watched the Martin Berkshire documentary. Is Martin asked about his changes in appearance, and it all got con- kind of conflated into one. And Michael did mention the vitiligo, but it was in the course of everything else. So I think people kind of thought that was an excuse or even made up. But the fact is, in his autopsy it is confirmed that he had vitiligo and vitiligo can strip the pigment of your skin. And, and, and that, that happens. So that was not a self-loathing thing. Um, whether, whether there was some kind of cosmetic bleaching to match whatever, but I mean, that was not, there was, there was the uh, kind of a a myth that it was, that he didn't want to be black. And he he actually, there's video of him saying that, no, I'm proud to be black. I'm proud to be a black American. And, and, you know, you, you, said that to his kids. So I think there's a lot of misconceptions. It's it's interesting they try to sort of separate, you know, the, the fact from fiction here. Um, and it, the other thing you guys were asking was Paris's sort of desire to be on this cover and whether she wants to be a celebrity, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I was
2: watching that video of her at the airport, that Ugh. really sad video being chased by the paparazzi. You see the fear in her eyes and she runs and they chase her and she just looks so Sad and confused by the whole thing I'm just wondering why she wanted to be On the cover
1: well listen that That broke my heart Um, I hate that that happened It's she happened to land In an airport the moment our story came Out it's like the worst timing of all time I, I don't think it's gonna like be Like that for her from this moment on But I think I think you know she's kind of I think it's about Claiming her legacy I think part of her does She wants to the way she painted, it. she wants to seize this platform because she has a lot of causes she wants to talk about. It. She wants to seize the great power so she can use the great responsibility that comes with it. So I think that's the idea, and I think also part of it is like it just feels like that's what she's known, you know, mm-hmm. it, that that's what she's known. So it's just natural. But I, I think unfortunately, and I you know I can't say I'm happy about it. That I that that you know that the sense of like being persecuted and stuff that, that came with michael's fame I, I, you know I, t- to see all that happen in 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 a couple minutes in the video was agonizing so but I, I, on some level yes she does want to be famous you know but i'm sure she has mixed feelings like any of us would and and i hope you know i hope she finds a balance where she can have the career she wants and and not also be besieged by total asshole paparazzi who who really were the scum of the earth in that video and, and it made me absolutely sick so I don't know you know it's it's um
2: yeah. yeah i just wonder if she fully thought through how much attention this story would get how much it would increase her own fame and her privacy issues i mean i just wonder if she fully realized all that
1: i hope so i mean you know the truth is in some ways no one would be better informed on earth about what it's like to be really famous than paris jackson mm-hmm. so i, I would I, and, and she is wise beyond her years and she did have professional people working with her so uh, that said, I don't think any of us anticipated quite what the story <laughs> became. Uh, it's freaking me out a little bit So I you know, yeah, I, I hope you know I hope it, I hope she can find a balance with it and I hope I think it will also die down And I also think the idea was and I still believe this and I like I really like what Whoopi Goldberg said on the view Which is th- that I really everyone should go and watch that which is that you know, this is Paris saying I'm strong enough to address this. I want to people think they know my story I'm going to seize it into my own hands and tell it my way. And I think that's what was great about it. Um, so, I, so I hope, I, I, I think that's the best way of seeing it. And, you know, I, I think she did a great job of telling her story. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful for her, her bravery and, you know, and generosity with her time. So anyway, this has been Rolling Stone Music Now. Please uh, come back and listen to us again next week on volume at 1pm and download our podcast at growingstone.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts.